Well, hello and welcome back to episode number eight of the Digital Discussions Unfiltered podcast and my second ever guest interview. I'm super excited about this one. In this episode, I asked the fabulous Krishna Solanki to come and share her wealth of knowledge about all things branding, especially aimed at small businesses. She's an award-winning brand and Squarespace website designer that creates distinctive brands and bold websites for businesses of all sizes that truly stand out from the crowd, based in Cambridge, and honestly, she really knows her stuff. We recorded this one evening last week, and I won't lie, we could have just kept going. We kept chatting even after we finished recording. I'm kind of sensing that I might ask her back on to the podcast in the future. She's just got so much to share. So I won't babble on for too much longer. I hope you find this conversation useful. And as always, if you do, please feel free to give it a share on your social media channels and tag me. I'm at Lorna Scully UK or leave me a review on iTunes. I massively, massively appreciate it. And you know, if you're looking for any help on your branding, then you can find all of Krishna's links to social profiles and her website in the show notes. So without further ado, here's our conversation. So, hey, Krishna, how are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. No, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So, you're a bit of a branding wizard, so I'm really, really excited about this episode, to be honest. But I think before we begin, would you mind kind of giving us a little bit of an introduction as to who you are, where you're from, all of that great stuff? And as a bit of a kind of a time test, can you do it in under a minute? Ooh, right. Are you up for the challenge? That is a challenge, and I'm pretty sure it's not going to be under a minute because <laughs> I'm going to talk for the world when I get into it. Um, but yeah, let's go. Okay, so. Okay, go. Okay, I am Krishna Solanki. I am a branding and Squarespace website designer, and I've been doing this for about, well, 15 years, wait for it, so 15 years straight out of uni, um, self-taught designer and took my business full-time last February, um, so it's about a year and a half old full-time, um, but yes, that's me, I come from Coventry and I now live in Cambridge and I've got a husband and two crazy kids that I call Head of Destruction and Head of Disruption, and that's about it, I think, how did I do, was I in a minute? <laughs> Amazing, 42 seconds. Wow, I thought I had a lot more to say, but clearly I didn't. Well done. I think I might need to change that. I mean, I might need to make that more of a challenge. I think it needs to be seconds. Yeah. <laughs> not, to, not, not, not enough of a challenge. <laughs> Amazing. I love that you've kind of got those names for your children. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, the eldest is six and she is full of just disruption. Anything I'm trying to do. So that's why she's got that title. And the other one is she's two years old, little Kay. And um, she's head of, oh, I remember it now, you've got me on the spot. 
<laughs> yeah, disruption or disruption. Yeah, she is. She's head of like disruption and destruction. She just disrupts anything in her way. It's like a one-man food fight or one child fight <laughs> yesterday. So yeah, it's all. Great. I mean, I bet lockdown's been really fun for you then. Absolutely. I mean, getting up at the crack of dawn because neither of them like to sleep. Getting up at like five thirty, six o'clock, having a whole day of homeschooling when we were doing that, and then full work at four o'clock. I start working up until. Well, it should be nine, but it usually ends up till being midnight. So, yeah, out of this, I'm going to need a lot of, um, probably a lot of makeup to get me through. <laughs> <laughs> Fun times of being self-employed, hey? Absolutely. They are. It's all fulfilling and it's absolutely, I wouldn't change it for the world because I know that I've got all the benefits of being able to work in my hours when I want around the kids, around the family. They come first as does the business, which is obviously why I do it for myself so yeah which, all good. which is baby number three <laughs> yes baby number three which is yeah only going to be an online business not actually happen but yeah <laughs> <laughs> amazing so yeah I think um essentially I kind of reached out and wanted to get you on the podcast because I think almost daily I see how well you do on the likes of kind of Instagram and you just know your stuff about branding. And I think the more time I spend online, whether that's in Facebook groups or on Instagram, I don't think a lot of, especially in the small business world, a lot of people really understand the importance of branding and kind of what it is. No, I mean, it's a it's a bit of a tricky one because a lot of people assume, and not rightly so, that they think that their branding is just their logo. Yeah. It really isn't. There is so much more to your branding. It is much, much more than a logo. So in essence, your brand is what other people say about you when you're not in the room. We've all heard the quote and it's kind of, it puts it into practice. It's it's how you are perceived and it's the emotion that's kind of evoked when someone interacts with you. So that's your brand and your brand identity. So that's the toolkit or the system that's been designed or created it's been put into place to give your brand a representation like visually and emotionally okay so that might be a little bit difficult to let it sink in but if you think mm-hmm. about it in the terms of a brand is you know you are your brand if you have a personal brand or if it's a business then it's your business brand um the identity is the toolkit so when we talk about branding, it's not just your logo. It's like your submark. It's the color palette. It's the fonts. It's it's the way you're replying in your emails. Way the way you're replying in your social. Um, it's the emotion. It's the tone of voice. There are so many elements. There are so many elements. So it's really important to kind of consider all those things as your branding because it's. I hope that makes sense and wasn't too yeah it does yeah it does I can but I, I kind of see where I think a lot of people might I, I mean I, I'm gonna play devil's advocate I'm really sorry I apologize now for it. But, um, <laughs> but essentially I can see where people kind of get confused because I think you know how how do you kind of um I don't know what the right terminology is now how do you kind of make sense of hiring someone to do your branding essentially because I I guess as you've kind of pointed out there's almost there's two things isn't there there's brand identity and then there's kind of branding as a whole and you kind of picked up on I just picked up on the fact that you said about personal brand because you know that's what I say to a lot of people people when people work with me that that's what they work with they work with me I don't have a team 
I don't have whatever. And therefore I would, I feel like I'd find it really, really hard to outsource my socials, outsource my emails, because everything that I write, everything that I post, every video I make, it is me because I'm a personal brand. Absolutely. So there are a couple of elements in that. So as a personal brand and obviously your socials, like you've said, your socials, your your website, your every element is all around you. Okay. So how narcissistic does that sound? <laughs> you think that there are a lot of businesses that are based on personal brands. Mine is my business is paid based on my personal brand. So it's called Krishna Solanke Designs. I mean, you can't really get more specific than using your own name and your, you know, your social handles <laughs> being more than you. I mean, yeah. the way you want to come across in that is, or the way you want to share that with a VA or someone, if you're going to bring that on board, is so that they understand like the tone of voice that you use, your personality, your personal brand needs to encompass your personal, um, your personality so that it's kind of, whether it's you replying on those socials or those emails, or if it's a VA or it's a team member or whoever it can be, they know that they have to use a particular kind of personality. Now, is that personality um, serious? Is it fun? Is it, you know, different adjectives that you can kind of add to it? Is it really hyperactive and really high pitched? Or is it calm and smoothing? These all, all these different kind of tones and all these different kind of um, adjectives and I don't even know, I can't even think of the words off the top of my head, but these these terms, they all have a different meaning, they can evoke a different emotion. So they can kind of, that's all incorporated as part of your brand, essentially. So in the same way, we can use different colors and color psychology that can be as part of your color palette. That is also kind of instructing your brand to be in a particular particular manner. 100%. Yeah, so they're all connected and it kind of comes down to defining who you are, what your values are. And when I say who you are, it may not be, as a personal brand, it could be as a business brand. So what's your business brand's personality? What's your business brand's value? What do you see yourself as? What's your mission? What's your goals? And all these things, they can kind of define your brand branding and your brand identity. So on that front then, is that something that you kind of, I mean, I'm making an assumption right now because we've not generally worked together. <laughs> um, but is that something that you would kind of say, okay, I need X, Y, Z. If you were to work with a new client, you would say, you know, what's your tone of voice? What is, what do you stand for? What are your values? All of that kind of great stuff. And I think the second part to that question, um, I've had the conversation quite a lot uh, in the sense that some people don't really understand even kind of the crux of that like what do those things mean and how do they work them out so have you got any kind of tips or advice on how they would work that kind of stuff out to begin with before approaching someone like you yeah and it's really important that they do have those things in line because essentially that's what you're going to need to inform your potential designer about if you don't go down the DIY route so what was the first question? Sorry. What was the question? <laughs> um, so is there kind of almost like, regardless of whether they were to work with you or another branding designer, if someone was to look looking for working with a branding designer, yeah. is there kind of a set yes. thing that so, they need to kind of know? Absolutely. So when I work with any clients, and this could be taken on board for any other designer as well, it just depends on, that element comes down to that particular designer 
what their requirements are, if they've got any requirements, what they want from you, if they want anything from you. So for me in particular, it's a homework element. I always ask my clients or potential clients to fill out like a questionnaire which details all the things that they their vision is for their business. And it's not a short-term vision that I'm asking for, looking to find out more about. It's actually the long-term vision to make sure that the brand and the brand identity has that longevity to it. So you've got to kind of see where you are now and see where you'd like to be in like the next three to five years and then what you expect and where you expect to be by then. So then you can portray that vision in terms of a, filling out the document of the questionnaire, sharing what your values are, what your mission is, what you really want to achieve with what you're trying to do or want to do, and then putting that down into something that will make it a little bit more easier for me to understand and it's more clear cut. So then I can use that and move forward in trying to create that vision for you if you're not doing it by yourself. That is so important. And I think not really a point that I'd really thought about. So again, I think kind of when I think about branding and stuff and how little people know, I think about the kind of Facebook groups where people go in and say, can anyone make me a logo? Oh, wow. And I think it's kind of, yeah, those kinds of groups. Um, and <laughs> I think it's kind of, it's almost worth kind of noting for anybody listening that regardless of whether you're going to create a logo and a brand and a brand identity yourself or pay somebody else to do it for you, like Krishna, it's really important for it to be long lasting, to have a long life, because you don't want to be doing this stuff every year, because not only is it going to look bad on the brand, it could actually get quite costly. Absolutely. And I think you can um, it there. And it's just, I think a lot of people especially nowadays, we're thinking so short term. I think, you know, with the likes of nobody saw coronavirus come in. So everybody is so kind of short term thinking that they just see it as I just need a logo or I just need a colour palette. There's no kind of thought process behind the longevity of it. Yeah. The, the, the danger with that is that if it doesn't have longevity, like you said, it's going to actually need to be either redesigned or it's not going to appeal to your ideal audience or clientele. So you're then going to have to deal with or may have to face the fact that you might have to go through a rebrand you might have to reposition yourself in the in the industry you're in just so you can target the right audience and kind of get the right people who you want to buy from you whether that's a service yeah. or whether that's a product and that and again it's not even it's thinking about the cost of that from a brand positioning point of view because if someone gets used to a certain look and feel and becomes a repeat customer and then all of a sudden you change it then that almost kind of breaks that relationship yes but also depending on what you're selling if you're selling um I don't know uh, products that come in certain packaging you, you you're then you've got the cost of rebranding all of that so really valid point but you're in terms of what you just mentioned regards to you break that relationship so what you're actually referring to is that you've you've broken that person or those people's trust and that, that has a massive effect on your brand and it can have a massive effect on anything you do on that point forward because obviously if they don't trust you, they're not going to buy from you and if they don't buy from you, then ultimately your business may not... You don't have a business. <laughs> yeah. So... so on that front then, would you kind of recommend that anybody that's kind of starting out or even if they have been in business the sooner you do your branding and your brand identity and get all of that kind of 
that stuff nailed. That should be kind of almost number one priority. I think number one priority comes down to knowing what you want from your business and what your vision is, what your goals are. That's the first thing, because if you don't know those elements and you can't identify who your, you know, your client is, who your ideal audience is, and it's, it's great to be able to create like a, a persona, persona um, a user persona or a buyer persona, and being able to really tailor it towards that particular person, which you can actually name. Um, but yeah, if you don't know these elements, then when you go out to either a professional or you try and do it yourself, you'll find that you can't really, you may not be able to design something that speaks to that particular person or that audience. And that's what, that's what the struggle is when you kind of either design for yourself or you're, you're too close to it because you don't know it well enough or you won't know it too well that you can't get it right. So it's a bit of a, it's a tricky one. Coming from a brand bit, designer, I always say that, you know, your brand, the way you look, the visual representation and the way you carry yourself in emails or social is really important. And you can essentially, you can start all of that thing, all, all of those things earlier on in your business journey. But the visual elements, because we all kind of, we all take looks into consideration, yeah. right? We kind of, looks matters, the first impression counts. So if you are to see something like Starbucks, for example, or Costa, you know that their branding is in a particular form and it's a particular composure. Now, if you saw that and it was distorted and it was all like backwards and the fonts were kind of the wrong, the colors were the wrong colors, would you trust it in the same way as you would trust it as if it was Costa that you know and love? You'd probably think it's a knockoff and you wouldn't go down that route of wanting to try that coffee, potentially. Or you're a risk taker and you'll go down that route and you'll go, love it, who knows? But it's about, it's about trying to showcase that professionalism from the start and showcasing your who you are as a business from the start. 100%. And I think kind of when you just kind of said about, you know, if, if things aren't quite right or if things are just even slightly different, would you trust it? And it just kind of reminds me of, I'm sure everybody's been on one, those kind of Greek holidays, Spanish holidays where you find the the five pound Louis Vuitton bag or the, <laughs> the Gucci sunglasses and you just know don't you like you know, you know. exactly that's exactly it's that experience as well it's that journey that you've just encountered you know that you're gonna you're gonna walk down the that high street or you're gonna walk down you know that area whatever it is you're gonna go into that that stall and would you really expect to have a brand you know yeah. Well, reputable brand and knock off a really cheap price that's going to be kind of just sitting at the side with a number of collections and then hang on you go to the flagship store and you go to like London you know that it's going to be you know you step foot in that place and it's it's a case of you can smell there might be a distinct smell that kind of makes it really memorable it might be the case of it's kind of minimalistic in its look and feel you kind of get you, you almost feel like you're the whole experience is different, right? So walking yeah. down that street, walking down into that shop, the flagship store, you know the two experiences are very different and you can instantly kind of relate to either one of them and you can instantly relate to which one you may like more than the other and you can instantly relate to which one can be associated with a reputable brand and which one you will kind of more likely to see as a luxury brand whereas the other one's like, hmm, luxury brand, but it's not with all the added price tag and the experience that you're kind of going to be getting. Yeah, I think you've probably, there's a one word in there that you said quite a few times, 
And I think that's probably, for me, that's probably the easiest way for it to get through to my mind about what branding is. And that's, it's an experience. Absolutely. It is. Because it's not, it's not just a picture. It's not just a logo. It's not just a a tagline. It's not, it's the whole thing, all of it put together and more. Yeah. It's the emotion that's kind of evoked as well. So the journey that you have from the moment you kind of walk into, I'm getting, I'm going to use Starbucks. You kind of know that their journey and their brand is distinct because you go in, you know that you're going to have a particular cup. You know that by the time you can order your, your latte, your frappuccino, you get to the counter, the person behind the counter asks you your name, they put it on there. It's very distinct to them. They've got their USP all over, all over it. Yeah. So by the time you've kind of ordered your coffee, you also know you've got to move along and it's going to be at the end of that counter. Whereas when you go to Star, when you go to Costa, it's a totally different experience. And that yeah. comes part of their brand. So you can see in themselves, although they both sell coffee, they both kind of stand at different points in the in the spectrum. So they are the industry competitors, but yet their USP differentiates them, their logo differentiates them, their position, positioning differentiates them. So there are a lot of things that you can kind of work on as part of your branding to differentiate yourself and your business so that it kind of does stand out against any competitors or any industry players. Yeah. And I think one of the things actually I quite like the fact that you use Starbucks because I've I use it quite a lot in kind of my coaching sessions about the importance purely because you know we can all sit there and say there are some I'm not a coffee drinker but I know some people that religiously go to Starbucks Mm -hmm. and I know some people that religiously go to Costa and they're very opinionated about it (laughs) and I'm like but it's both coffee like if I was to put it in a plain white cup would you know the difference and I think that's another element of branding because you know, what people pay £4.50 for in Starbucks, they could easily make themselves at home, but they enjoy the experience, whether it's a drive through whether it's the cup, whether it's their name written on the cup, whatever it is, that's an element of branding. Absolutely. And I mean, I know, and I could probably tell you if you gave me a chai latte from Costa and a chai latte or the equivalent from Starbucks, I'd be able to tell the difference because <laughs> that's one, my choice of coffee or <laughs> and it's, it's it's so distinct that I could pick it out. It's almost like comparing Pepsi and Coke. You kind of know yeah. that when you try them, they're totally different, and you know that the the connotations of the experience that you get when you kind of have either drink is different. Obviously, the caffeine here is great if you want. To drink, <laughs> but there is something to be said about you know. I have seen some kind of studies. I'll probably have to go and find them now. Um, but I have seen some studies where they kind of put the same the same drink in two different cups and some people are absolutely adamant that it's something that it isn't but it's that whole element of you seeing a logo on the side of a cup or a bottle or whatever it is sparks an emotion in your brain to say actually this is coca-cola it's not pepsi but there are some people on the planet that probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference that's true and it's a fact that if you didn't know which one they were, if you didn't know like Coke's in this one and Pepsi's in another one, then you could easily kind of say which one you are, which one you prefer, and you might be surprised in your answer if you didn't see the logo. And also, yeah. if you know it well enough because you've been drinking it for a while, for long enough, or you that's the brand that you constantly go to, then you you're a loyal customer already. So it's the loyalty that's kind of created in that experience that always makes them come back 
round as a repeat buyer or, or repeat purchase, uh, repeat customer. So yeah. it's all it's all part of the same package. And it sounds silly, but it's also depending on what your business or your brand is can have some serious longevity I mean in this household alone we drink coke um and that's purely because of the fact that you know my parents drink coke so I know full well that you know when I go to my brother's house I'm probably going to be offered a can of coke not a can of pepsi and that's purely because my parents drank it so it's it the whole longevity thing stands in that sense as well yeah because it's it's a case of like you then trust that brand because you've only ever seen that brand potentially in your house and anything else that compares to it may not be something that you are familiar with or not as familiar with so you don't associate it with being with your family yeah so um, interesting um okay so just getting back to I feel like we've gone off a little bit of a tangent I know. Um, <laughs> we knew we would so it's fine um in terms of you did mention it earlier on but in terms of if somebody was to to want to try and do their branding themselves, is it kind of something that's easily done? Have you kind of got any top tips that will help them to kind of get started? Maybe like, I don't know, the certain things they should focus on. Obviously, we've touched on values and tone of voice and all of that great stuff. But in terms of maybe the design side of it, so the, the identity side of it. Absolutely. So if it's just kind of, your logo so I've got a I've got a great blog post I don't mean to be like promoting that right now oh no, no absolutely shout about it and I'll put it I'll make sure I link it in the show notes as well it's um it's basically a it's a blog post called design your own logo five tips that can help you get it right and in that post I kind of cover um the five top tips that you can kind of think about or that will help you to get it right so thinking about color can be a very um subjective element of a design not just logo design but just design overall and in terms of the colors that you use not only in your color palette but as part of your branding but also in your logo you want to consider that not everyone may not appeal to the colors that you personally like yes thank you so much for saying it it's true it's true i love all the bright colours under the sun. I'm a massive fan of yellow, but that doesn't mean that it's going to have to be everywhere and it has to be in my logo and yes. has to be incorporated everywhere because yellow is a subjective colour and it, it invokes different kind of emotions. So it's all about like sunshine and happiness, but then again, you can look at different shades of yellow. So if you're looking at, say, a pale yellow, because it's quite relaxed, it can be quite kind of soothing in its own elements. That may not necessarily work so well when it's kind of on a logo form because you won't see it up against a white background. So in them sense, in that sense, you've got to kind of think about if you're going to add any colour to your logo. And on top of that, you also need to make sure that the logo is fully recognisable, it is scalable, it's relevant in black and white as well because every logo should look really good in black, simple black, one colour, and simple white, one colour. And then if it's designed well in those colours, you can add some in, um, if it's designed well in those primary colours, simple colours, then when you add colour, any other colour that's relevant to your brand and your values and your audience, then you can kind of know that you're bringing them in in a sensible form and it's it can work a bit better, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I generally think that a lot of people forget about the black and white element. And I think I only seem to remember it purely from my early marketing days, 
So we're talking almost 10 years ago. Um, because you don't know what you don't know, as I like to say. And I remember going, why are you doing that in black and white? And it was all about it going in a printed newspaper. Mm. So for me, I was like, well, I don't get that because I'm all about digital. But it's not just about printed newspapers, is it? So not at all. I mean, if you think about like, if you're going to be adding your logo onto a flyer, or if you're going to add it onto your social media profile cover, you can add it onto your cover um, for Facebook, Twitter, um, LinkedIn, Instagram, no, Instagram doesn't happen, but you can have them in story highlights, for example, you could have like your, your sub mark, which is basically like the stamp element of your logo. I mean, if that's only in one color, and it's in like a cerise pink or like a NHS blue or something like that it doesn't necessarily may not necessarily work as well if it's up against another color in the background or imagine if you're putting it up on on an image because yeah. you've got something going out and if it's on an image your colors will clash so think about having a, a simple one color layout so you've got black that might work on a on a photograph for example or the white might stand up better it just depends on the composure and the, the composition and so many elements within that particular image itself but also you're giving your logo, you're, you're doing your brand justice because you've got those elements. So it's going to make you look more professional knowing that you've got those color variations. You've got the other assets that are part of your brand toolkit to be able to move things forward and make you still remain professional. So it's not, again, it's not just about the logo. You might have a horizontal logo that will look great when it's kind of on your website. But hang on, all the social pro- um, profile images, yeah. they're either regular or square. So how do you then reformat something that's very horizontal? It's a case of making sure that you've got a secondary variation of your logo. So you've got a secondary element that can kind of work in favor of your branding and it kind of sits in that spot. If you don't want a secondary logo, maybe it's a submark. So think about the, the browser tab in your website. That There's a little icon that you can have. There's a little picture that you can have. Favicon, yeah. Favicon, exactly. So that can be branded as well. So if you've got a horizontal logo, you don't want to squish that into that, you know, 16 pixels by 16 pixels. (laughs) You know, this tiny little thing there, it's not going to be eligible. It's going to make you look less professional. So you're going to need to think about how can I have something that's going to showcase my brand in such a small spot like that, that's going to also show that I'm credible, respectful. I can kind of go forward with all the the adjectives that you want to be known for and it's recognizable as well so 100 percent and yeah I think in terms of like that's I think you've literally just absolutely crushed it (laughs) I think there's so much there for somebody to go okay I need to think about a lot of things like it's not just text on a white background because I I see it myself I see so so many people that like they'll have a fancy font and it'll be you know their business name which is great but generally speaking it's rectangular and I just kind of face palm because I'm like have you thought about where else that's going to be because it's not going to fit you know on mm. your Instagram profile picture it's not going to fit on your Pinterest profile picture and it's exactly. just it's not considered. No and it needs to be because obviously on those different platforms where one, your audience may be hanging out or you might be hanging out, it's going to be showcasing that you're still there, you're still relevant, you're still professional, you're still trustworthy, you're credible. All these terms, they can come just by someone looking at your logo, your branding, your brand identity, your everything. It's all, it's all kind of wrapped into one area. Another point I should really make, 
on like designing your own logo is to use a vector program. So it's really Ooh, she's getting technical. <laughs> you really don't want to go into creating a logo in Word or oh. you know something that's not going to really give you the flexibility to scale. Yeah, you know it's got to be a vector program. Something like Illustrators is a great tool. So. So what would be your kind of, um, we're not here to slate, but what would be your, maybe your advice on Canva logos, as that's a big topic at the minute? To be fair, I love Canva, but I'm not... Honestly, I use it more than anything else right now. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot more that comes down to it again as well. I mean, if you think about the fonts that you use, even fonts have a personality. So being able to kind of vectorize or create a, you know, take the um, take the font and be able to play around with it so it's kind of more custom created for you, so it fits in with your personality, fits in with your brand. That's what it's all about. So I mean, Canva's great. I won't I won't slate it too hard because it's a great tool. I love it. I don't use it for my own business, but I probably should because it'd probably make life a lot easier than using, you know, the design software that I do use, which is sometimes a little bit longer. It's so quick and easy. (laughs) But in terms of like, yeah, creating the logo, I mean, you could give it a a try. There's no harms in it. I mean, yeah. I think the only reason I ask is, you know, it's, it's that, again, we're all looking for that quick fix, that short term thing canva is obviously in at the minute and it's very very quick and easy to use which is great but i think maybe more in terms of copyright and that type of thing because um there's another designer that i follow on instagram i think and i think she previously i've seen her mention about um copyrighted fonts and copyrighted kind of the icons and that kind of thing so is there a possibility of people getting into trouble Absolutely. I mean, you've got to make sure that the, the font you're going to be using is licensed um, or it's not licensed or you've got to check that element of it to make sure that it's actually something that you can use going forward. Um, and that's a big thing as well. So definitely something worth looking into, doing your research, finding the right fonts, finding the right icons, making sure that they are for commercial use. Yeah, cool. So um I think, you know, I'm always going to be a massive advocate of other small businesses. You are another small business. Mm -hmm. So I guess my final question before we kind of wrap things up and you can sell yourself to the world, (laughs) Krishna, (laughs) um, would be, you know, if somebody was looking to hire somebody like yourself, on average, I mean, obviously, you can probably only speak for yourself, but on average, how much would somebody need to invest? Because remember, folks, this is an investment. It's not an expense. Um, how much would somebody kind of need to gather up to invest in proper brand identity? Oh, that's a really di- good question. And it's a really difficult one to answer. And it's not because I don't want to put a price on it. But there are a number of things that kind of it's kind of how long is a piece of string, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it depends on loads of things. It depends on like the experience of the designer that you're going for. It depends on the deliverables, what you're expecting to receive back, um, the process, revision rounds, because let's be let's be clear here. It's not a case of like you tell someone you want something and it's done. 
Yeah. It's never going to be that way. They need to understand everything about the business. So do they provide you homework elements that you need to complete? If so, that's great. If not, why not? I mean, as far as I know, thinking back as far as I have, I've always, no matter what project it's been, I've always asked for you know their input at a very early stage because that's what informs the design that needs to be made. And it's not, design is very subjective. Like I, It's one of my favourite phrases because... I might like something and you might like something, but does that resonate with your target audience? Does that resonate with your or you know your clientele? Are they gonna look at that and say, hey, that really that swirly font that you're using in your logo that says your business name, does that say to me that you're a serious business? It might not. But does something that's a different font that's a bit more like bold, a bit more structured, does that come across as feminine? No, so even things like that, they have all that research, all that homework that needs to be done. Does that come as part of the package that you're going to be paying someone to do? Again, experience can be self-taught or it can be at university. I mean, that's a topic for a totally different podcast. But even that can have an effect or have like a have like a, a scale on how much you're willing to invest or how many how much design is charged. Again, deliverables as part of that. Um, investment are you going to be getting all those variations are you going to be getting a color palette are you going to be getting brand style guide a mood board what do you actually get and how many times do you get to do your revision again yeah processes as well the process is really key I mean I'm a process driven designer so anyone who's worked with me or can knows me they know that I can kind of be really particular about making (laughs) good word good word (laughs) really ticked off so that you can kind of see exactly what you're getting and it's not a process of just the design stage it's a process of the moment you kind of interact with someone and all the way through to the end element so design is a part of the whole journey once again so Working with a, a designer, do they have a process in place? Do they have a clear-cut idea of how long that project might take so you can then plan your marketing before and after? Um, at what stage do you get your assets? Do you get them at the beginning of the I mean, at the beginning of the final stage of the design, or is it right at the end when everything's signed off and you've kind of you know got to pay that final invoice? When do you get the assets? Because lots of designers do it in different ways. Personally, I at every stage of the process, once it's signed off, I'm comfortable with being able to say, look, this is the next bit of your assets. You can have these bits because it's signed off, it's done, we've kind of got to this stage and it helped you to kind of market your yourself and it helps you to kind of put that in place. So whether it's a case of you're warming your audience up to what's coming up, um, the new launch, or if it's, hey, new service happening or giving them a little bit to work on, giving them, keeping them a bit sweet, working that out. Does your designer kind of work with you to make sure that your marketing efforts are joint? And how do they do it? So all these things are like really do make a difference. And you can go from like, you know, people go on to Fiverr, for example, looking for logos and looking for branding and stuff like that. And you can go to like a really experienced designer who doesn't necessarily hang out in those areas. But the quality of the work that comes out versus the experience you get working with that particular designer versus the deliverables, the process, the revision rounds, that whole thing comes in as part of the investment. 100%. You said so many things in there that it just made me absolutely grin ear to ear. So firstly, um, probably about two or three episodes ago, I got a bit of stick for saying something quite particular. 
And that was that as a business owner, your opinion doesn't really matter. So as, (laughs) sorry about that. Um, So my kind of theory is that how you've kind of just said, you know, I, I expect people to do a lot of research and a font that you might like, your customers might not like, that kind of comes into that ballpark. Because for me, I, you know, you could create the best beautiful logo on the planet, but if nobody is going to buy into it, the people that you're actually expecting to hand over their money mm-hmm. and basically enable you to have a business categorically, then it's just not worth it. So Absolutely. you might as well just put that up in your in your room and stare at it because you love it so much. Because it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, secondly, I think obviously you touched on Fiverr there. So I think for me, again, I can... I'd assume that people listening to this kind of know me a little bit and I can be quite blunt. I think there comes a point where you kind of get what you pay for. So if, you know, if you're looking for an all singing or dancing brand and you want to be, I don't know, the next Adidas, then expect to pay for it. And if you go for Fiverr, then you're you're probably not going to get the whole end-to-end processes, development, everything that you've just explained because as I can definitely tell I would like to think that anybody listening to this can definitely tell that you know you're you as a business owner get really invested into your clients to be able to deliver something that is incredible absolutely I mean I've not as as a business user and personally I've not used Fiverr I've just kind of I've stayed clear of it because I don't find that my ideal clients are one going to be hanging out there and if they are that's not the kind of target audience for me or you know it's 100% there are probably some people who do really think that it's an okay platform to hang out on and it might be a place that some designers actually have to go to because they can't find work from anywhere else yeah but there, there are kind of pros and cons of it so again it's probably it's probably a totally different conversation yeah <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So um, I'm just conscious of time. So I think if you're happy, we can leave it there. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Can I just... Yeah. Sorry. No, go for it. Consistency is key. 100%. This has to be said. I can't let this call go or this podcast end without mentioning that once because it's like gold. If you don't use or you don't create something that's consistent on all the areas that you're on like platforms or and you don't use use your branding your visual identity consistently what are you doing you've got that's <laughs> seriously that is that is that is the ultimate goal with regards to branding is to create consistency okay so you want to avoid having to rebrand and you want to avoid having to start up again and do it all over again because if you've got it and you've got the branding and it's appealing to your audience just use it use it consistently consistently make sure you're using the right colors make sure you're using getting that hex reference or the rgb or the cymk whatever it is make sure you're using those particular references in whatever you're creating and keep it consistent online offline in your emails everywhere everything you do so not just colors but the logos, your tone of voice. It's the consistency that matters once you've actually got it in action. 100%. Could not agree more. 
Okay, well, I'm, I'm glad I've mentioned that. And it's <laughs> Couldn't agree anymore if I tried. And it's even down to things like fonts. I think if you start following somebody, even kind of on Instagram, let's say, you might not have any kind of perception of ever buying from them right now. But actually, oh, I just like that post or I like their feed. And then all of a sudden they post something that has got a completely different colour or even just a different tone of colour then and a completely different font. And I'm talking like from a serif to a sans serif font. Yeah. You kind of go, sorry, who's this? What? Yeah, it kind of makes you think twice, right? Yeah. And you're like, um, um what? <laughs> yeah, it can really make you think of someone either hacked their account or they... Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. So it's definitely important to make sure you've got that consistency and um, make it happen, really. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, anything else just before I round up? No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm just more conscious of your time. Um, cool. So thank you so, so much for your time and your top tips. Please make sure that you uh, send me that blog post and I will definitely link it in the show notes so anybody that is interested in those five top tips can go and find it easily and I guess just to round off I 100% understand the value and I can tell how bloody amazing you are at branding I've seen a lot of your work um so if anybody is listening that would like to talk to you about branding where can they find you all of that great stuff well, okay. Well, firstly, thanks for having me. And for you, that was so kind. I didn't really know how to respond to that and say <laughs> anything because I just. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. I mean, I I predominantly do kind of hang out on Instagram. My handle is Krishna Solanki Designs, all one word. Um, it is quite long, but it's hopefully really quite unique because it is just me. Yeah. Um, I've also got my website, so www, which is quite old of me to say krishasalankidesigns.com and I do hang out on LinkedIn occasionally I know that people may not be there but hey I'm there too and my email is hello at krishnasalankidesigns.com so there's loads of ways of getting in touch with me um, feel free to like DM me if that's easiest for you guys but yeah cool fabulous well I will make sure that I link all of your social profiles as well in the show notes so if anybody just wants to click on through, then I would highly recommend talking to Krishna if you're thinking about branding in any way, shape or form. But yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. And I'll speak to you really soon. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Bye. Anna. Bye. Bye.